Mikey and Rin stay in. Oh, yeah. Hi, guys. This is Mikey and Rin stay in. I'm Mikey. And I'm Rin. And this is our third episode of our show. Yeah. About a changing life. Yeah. So we took a little time off. We, uh, we had some things happen. So last time that we spoke with everybody, I think um, you were 10-ish weeks pregnant. Yeah, that sounds pregnant? right. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Why don't you, do you want to tell us about what happened? Sure. So um, not too long after that, a little under a week perhaps, um, I had a miscarriage. Yeah. And um, it was pretty sudden and devastating. And, um, and um, yeah, just super unexpected. And I think that we're now a month or so out. And um, I know that for me, I've sort of had a just a whole cascade of feelings and ups and downs and um, and a little bit of time to process it perhaps but as you can see I'm well if you can't see I'm sort of teary and uh, you know I think I think that it still feels a, a little bit raw and yeah. so we decided to come back and do this as a way I think to process a little bit more definitely yeah yeah i mean this has been <coughs> i think for both of us it was so we were right at about to be a week away or so from the 12 week mark which was when we were going to like start telling people and we like were flying out to new york to see corinne's family to surprise them and we were we had my family coming in from colorado and we we're going to surprise them and so and i'm just like a dork for surprises so that was like i was just so amped about that and so we went and i was like ready 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 and so obviously, and then of course she was pregnant, and so there's all the joy in that. And it was the the quickest, so basically we went in, I mean, we don't have to, I don't know how TMI we're going to go here, but I mean, sure. basically Rennie had a little bleeding, and we went into the hospital, and we were supported by a midwife team. I, I'll use the air quotes for the word supported, <laughs> because this was actually a good like emergency warning test, or whatever, that, eh, eh, you know. <laughs> Uh, because like our midwife team was fine. There was a lot of fucking hiccups. We won't get into all the details cause it's just like, that's boring to listen to, but there was a lot of things where we were not supported and the hospital wasn't that great. And the midwife team was lackluster and whatever, but we went into the hospital and, um, basically they did an ultrasound and didn't find a heartbeat and they didn't say, you know, in that moment there was this very sweet ultrasound technician who they're not allowed to say anything, you know, it all has to be very hush-hush, the doctor has to give you the, the news, but this guy was, we knew right away. It was really interesting, too, because we were in the hospital late at night, yeah. or super early in the morning? Oh, I can't even remember, we did two nights in the hospital. Yeah. I think, no, that one was late at night, because we, I think we, because we went at like, Oh no, we did go to sleep. I think. Yeah, it so was we went like, in at like two a.m. on a Sunday morning, yeah. and so it was kind of a ghost town in there. And right, because there was no one else in the place, yeah. which was kind of awesome. Because we like literally showed up, we like got right in, pretty much got right in. Yeah, because we went in through the ER. Um, but the that moment sticks out so much in my mind because yeah. it was 
the you know, I got wheeled up to where the ultrasound technician was. <laughs> and it's, you know, hospitals are so 7-Eleven crazy bright. Right. <laughs> and there was not a soul in any of that diagnostic area. And then, you know, it was just me and Mikey and the ultrasound tech in this quiet, sterile, yeah. crazy bright room. Right. And um, I remember a moment where he said, okay, I've just got to find your cervix and, you know, we'll, we get out all the boring stuff out of the way first. Right. Right. And um, this was our, Corinne's first ultrasound too. We hadn't had any, right. anything done before this. So we were kind of like in this moment, like we're either about to kind of meet our baby for the first time and hear the heartbeat and all right. that, or not yeah and he he was so um judicious about the way that he said things but that was kind of the one thing where yeah um i would take the boring stuff <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> a right. hundred times over um because then once he you know he started to ask a series of questions like how sure are you of your you know, pregnancy, last period, right. you know, oh, all that right. stuff. Sure, yeah. And so he was just looking to sort of uncover if maybe I was only six weeks pregnant and not almost 11. And totally. Um, so that, I think that that was, I yeah. mean, that was the moment that I knew. <coughs> to- sure. Oh yeah. We both, we um, didn't really look at each other. We didn't say anything to him, but yeah, I mean, it was, as I was saying, it was like the, you know, it was that moment where the floor falls out a bit, Yeah. you know, and it was like, I went from like this, this point of really high, high, happiness, a lot of emotions to like the sharpest, since then it's been the sharpest and the dullest sadness that I've ever felt. Mm. What do you mean? Well, when we, so we found out that, you know, initially the, you know, that first moment we found out that, that the, the baby had died or the, you know, pregnancy wasn't viable or the embryo, however we want to say it. And that morning was insanely sharply sad, like just as if it couldn't get any worse then you're in a, a hospital like in an ER it's just ter- fucking terrible <coughs> there's blood everywhere there's like this was well you know we'll get into more of the story a bit but the first night was fine but it was like you're learning these things in like when I was a stoned 20 year old going into 7-Eleven to get a Don Juan's burrito was <laughs> painful because you're under these lights and it's like ah, you know and everything is just so hypersensitive right mm-hmm. and And then this, you're finding out that the best news of your life is now the worst news of your life in those same conditions, and you're not high, Um, (laughs) which I guess helps. But but yeah, and then we left, and we basically were like, we're going to go eat waffles, we're going to eat pancakes, we're just going to like Netflix and barf, and then, um, (laughs) but yeah, it was the sharpest sadness I've ever felt. And then it's been replaced now just by this life has to go on sort of thing, but it still resonates in the back of my mind that it's like, it's still this unbelievable sadness that we lost this baby and that, you know, all the things. And so I don't know, it's like, and then it can swell back into the sharp sadness than the dull, you know, it's, it's just, it's like a depression sadness sort of thing that I've, I don't know. I just didn't know that my body was kind of capable of, or my brain mm-hmm. was capable of. And, um, and I don't know, a lot of men, like this is something we'll talk about through this episode, but it's been so interesting. Like, one, you're not supposed to talk about mis- miscarriages. Right. Like, women, I think, are told it's too scary, it's too personal, 
you're going to freak out pregnant moms or like whatever. And from what we've read and what I've seen or whatever, like basically 30% of pregnancies end in miscarriage, um, which is amazing. Like I, I know of miscarriages in my family and things like that, but like nobody really talks about it. So, so we've been talking to people about it and saying like Corinne had a miscarriage, even people that didn't know that you were pregnant. Mm-hmm. And the support system has been unbelievable. Like, all of these people that we know very well are like, oh my gosh, well, I had a miscarriage. I had three miscarriages before my kids, whatever it might be. My sister, my family, like, all these things. And it's just an amazing thing. It's like hiding in plain sight. Mm -hmm. One of the other, I mean, we, like, you know, I I don't know how much people want to hear about, like, the intimate details of things. But, like, so we ended up. The second, so we were sent home with the bad news, and they basically were like, you know, go home, you're gonna go through some things. They're basically an active miscarriage, you're going through a miscarriage. And if you spike a fever over 101 or no, 100.4, mm-hmm. if you pass something larger than a lemon, which was amazing to think about, um, and then what was the other one? Oh, and if you bleed. More than a certain amount. So if you bleed through a pad in less than an hour. Through a pad in an hour, yeah. Right. Um, And so we went home. There was a night. We stayed, you know, stayed at home. Like, it was just not, it was terrible. Um, But we were super in it with each other, you know, just, yeah. But the, um, and then the following night, Rini started bleeding a lot and started passing things or whatever. And and so we went back into the hospital because we were just like, ah, I don't want you to bleed to death in our house. (laughs) And so went back into the hospital and so that night we were in the ER for a while, but then they put us in a fucking birth suite, which to me is like, it's the cruelest joke. Cause it's like, so 30% of pregnancies end in miscarriage. There should be a fucking pregnancy or a miscarriage wing in the hospital. Right. Like just right. should. Are you right. fucking serious that the only place they can send us is a place where there's babies being born and shit on the walls that says like, welcome to the world, baby. Right. Right. Um, yeah, that was one of the cruelest jokes for sure. And we ended up in the hospital again just because I supposedly had a DNC scheduled, which is you can you can choose to just actively miscarry and and do it at home. I really needed for it to be over and complete and to make sure that that was the case. And so sometimes you can do these procedures in office, but it turned out that mine hadn't gotten scheduled properly. (laughs) So I would have had to wait another week almost. Yeah. Yeah. And anyway. Who knows what happening. So we were waiting on a doctor that was delivering a baby that night. Yeah. And he ended up having to do a C-section. And so we spent basically an overnight in a birthing suite. Right. And then at 4 a.m. or so, right. he was he was ready for the surgery. And so. So, and so, you know, and then just like another side story is that we didn't really know that this hospital was religiously affiliated. And we Yikes. are... Yeah. And we're not <laughs> religious. And that doesn't, shouldn't fucking matter. I, I For me, I'm like, if there's a separation of church and state, there definitely should be a separation of <laughs> medicine and church. Right. Fuck off. Everybody gets sick. Everybody gets hurt. Don't, you know. And so we're in there. I just started noticing like, oh, crosses. Oh, like flyers that say things about like, you know, your divine father watching over you while you're having, <laughs> I don't know, an IV a fluid pumped into your dick. I don't know. There's, he's there. He's there. He's there. And <clears throat> so... 
that was a lot. And then most of everybody that we worked with, the doctors, nurses, they were cool as shit. They yeah. were like very, very helpful, Amazing. very supportive. Amazing. There was one woman who was very sweet. Um, and But she, oh boy, you just could smell the cri- the crazy on her. And she was just like, ah, all these things. Well, first of all, she kept calling it a baby, which I don't know. Cool, it is, it was, it would have been, whatever. But it just felt a little too, like I was like, can we just like call it, I don't know, an embryo or something? Doesn't matter. But she at one point goes, so I make these like boxes for parents who've lost a child to take home with them. Would you like me to make you one? And I mean, my first response was, fuck yes. I need to see, <laughs> I need to see what weird shit is going to be in this box. Like what, what is this? It was really important to her for us to have this box. Yes. And um, I, I felt like in that moment, I was so fucking defeated yeah. as it was. I could not say no. <laughs> so. Totally. And so, yeah, so we got this box. And so picture like a Nike shoe box. Um, it wasn't, it was all white, but basically a nice Nike shoe box and you open it up. And so inside this box, um, was a pair of like knit booties and a little knit hat for a newborn and like a swaddling blanket. And then all these books about miscarriage and why God took your baby home and all these things to heaven. And, um, and then there's a certificate at the bottom that said, this certifies that Baby Sheether, we're calling it baby Baby Sheath. So Baby Sheath, it's my last name, <clears throat> um, has been taken home to heaven by God on this day, blah blah blah, year of our Lord. Sweet. What Jesus. the fuck? <laughs> Sweet Christ. We a we're not having. A, we didn't have a baby. What the fuck are we supposed to do with these these outfits? Are we supposed to put them on our dog? Mm, be kind of cute. Are we? Yeah. Are we supposed to burn them? Are we supposed to bury them? Maybe that's. I don't know. <clears throat> to me, I was just like, "Is this?" So we're in a birthing suite, having a miscarriage. Corinne's having a miscarriage, and then we're given this box. I'm like, "What's there?" So there are messaging concerns here, left and right. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, it's just, it was such a like twist of the knife sort of thing. And we, you know, and, and basically we had set our thing up. So, cause we were going to be using midwives. We we're going to be in a birthing center, this very modern, cool birthing center or whatever, because we don't love hospitals. We're just not like huge hospital fans. And fine. If you like hospitals and want to have your baby there, that's great. We were like going to have a, maybe a home birth, but we decided on the, uh, you know, this into the, um, birth center instead. So this was like so not what we wanted. I mean, this right. was like, and obviously we didn't want a miscarriage either, but this was like we're in a birthing suite. I'm walking to the fucking bathroom, and like people are coming up to me like, oh, and they're like, what kind of baby are you having? And I'm like, a dead one? I don't know. What the right. fuck am I supposed to say? This is so awkward. Right, 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 oh. right, right, right. Yeah. So anyways, we got to fill out a comment card at that hospital. <laughs> Well, and, you know, I just kept thinking that we're in a birthing suite. These are labor and delivery nurses, and they're dealing with live yeah. babies or they're dealing with potential stillborn. Oh, God. Which know. then, it, you know, I I don't know if the, if the box then feels – it's obviously so different for every I would think it would be even more. I know, I know, I know, I know. But I really do, I do see, 
the difficulty with being a labor and delivery nurse and dealing with like, you know, miscarriage is, it's not, that's not necessarily, I don't think, right? In their wheelhouse. It's should more be. like. Well, I don't know. It's, well, as I said, there should be a whole separate part of the hospital right. for this. No, I know. It's just, you know, and this is, from what I've read, it's 30% of pregnancies end in miscarriage. And those are just reported miscarriages. Like these are miscarriages where people knew they were pregnant and then had, had a miscarriage, right? And I guess a lot it of... It seems really high. <coughs> a lot of miscarriages uh, happen and people don't even know they're pregnant yet. So they think it's just like a heavy period. And so what does that mean? Does that mean that 45% of... I, I don't know. I mean, it's like... I, I don't know. I'd be so interested to just delve deeper and just see really what it is. Sure. But... Um, I'm sure it's, there's medical people out there that actually know. <laughs> right. But I mean, they'll know the amount of miscarriages that were missed, you know, that were clocked right, as that. You right. Know? Right. Anyways, I just, I don't know. It, as an, so a story I tell a lot is like when I was a little kid, I grew up in like this big Irish Catholic family with a kind of a domineering grandmother who would actually have the children's table and then the adult table. Right. And so like my whole childhood, I was like, I'm going to get that. I'm going to get to that fucking adult table. It's <laughs> awesome. I bet they're doing so much cool shit over there and it's funny and it's all these things. And when I was maybe, I don't know, 14 or something like that at a dinner, my grandmother was like, Mikey, why don't you come and sit at the adult, the adult table? And I was like, oh, promised land. Made it. I'm in like the fucking <laughs> VIP room at a fucking Red Hot Chili Peppers con concert. That nice ref. So uh, I got to the adult table and I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> these people are so boring and not only because they're adults but they were all like adults are basically just like grown up children and they're all I don't know a mess and anxious and all the things and not that interesting and so like I, I don't know I used to deify like doctors and nurses and all these things I still do doctors and nurses they do it's a hard job it's all those things right but like Everybody, it's we're just people the, right we're right. just people like doing the best like we can. bedside manner is that like a low bar. I just need you to not scare the shit out of me. Right. And like, you can't even do that. An anesthesiologist, we had this like weird anesthesiologist who was like, I don't know, an autistic member of the Adams family or something who like came in and he was just like, and he like basically told us 500 things that were terrible that could happen. And then he had Corinne at one point stick her chin out like an ostrich or something. And he goes, let me look at your throat or your neck. And then so she shows him her neck, and he's like, I might have to intubate and put a tube down your neck. I'm like, God damn it! Ah! She's about to have this crazy procedure, and then you're talking about, like, fucking tracheotomy in her throat? I don't know. I was just... It's like, hey, medical community, that gets paid an ass ton of money. You should be able to perform at a customer satisfaction level way higher than, like, Starbucks. Starbucks <laughs> is fucking crushing you right now. <laughs> Like they're they're hitting everybody like boom 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 making them happy making you know saying exactly what they need to hear and like this person who makes half a million dollars a year like can't fucking help but trip over their dick and fall into the room and tell you that you might die with a hole in your throat. Ugh. As a counterpoint to that, please. The physician that I had mm. was yeah he was amazing literally off the cast of ER, first of all. He had so handsome. glorious hair that was perfectly quaffed. I'm like, are you delivering babies? How do you look like that? Right, he's making the baby. He's siring yes. all the babies. <laughs> um, yes, so handsome. And took 
so much time with us to come down from labor and delivery mm. to the ER. Yeah. He didn't have to do that. And like pulled up a chair, introduced himself by his first name. Yeah. Um, was had so much empathy. Yeah. Um, there was one moment where I'm getting wheeled into surgery and this is Corinne's first time ever having a procedure of any variety. I'm a really lucky person. Like I've just had a very charmed, healthy life. Um, and so, yeah, so this surgery was freaky AF for sure. Um, and I'm shaking and crying and he, you know, sort of everyone else around is, is there's, they're in surgery a lot. So they see people shake and cry and there's a lot scarier surgeries than when I, what I went through. So they're like, you know, bitch, you're going to be fine. But <laughs> he, he really took a moment as I'm getting wheeled in, he stopped the gurney and he just put his hand on my shoulder mm. and, um, he just said, how you doing? And I was like, who does that? That was so, it was just this moment that was like, humanity sees humanity you know and um, my follow-up appointment with him I just like basically vomited gratitude all over his lap it's just like that was the single most important moment in those two and a half days yeah Um, no I know that's yeah and he like didn't even remember it right right? it was just sort of second nature to him right and you said who does that Fucking healers should do that. <laughs> right. Like this dude no, I is know. Like, like I know. I don't know. It's yeah, of anybody that should be doing that shit, it's a doctor. It's someone who's coming to help you. This is like the thing when I don't know what the policy is now, but where they said that teachers can't touch kids in schools. Right. Oh my god. Are we f- serious? Yeah. Like I don't know. Great shades. I want to preach about it because yeah. it's just like we should be able to like I I get it Ooh, man, like it's like the same these are the same people that say that Mr. Rogers was like a pervert or something right, right. it's like if you can't be okay with adults having intimate relationships with a kid like seeing a kid seeing the humanity in a child I don't know fucking jump off a bridge <laughs> like it's just if you're a doctor you're someone who is like with people at their most fragile moments happy moments as well like you should be not only a knowledgeable person, but you should be really great with people. Mm-hmm. Like your EQ should be off the charts and you should be able to know like, when does this person need me to like step in, step out, touch them, not touch, you know, whatever. And it's like, I just think that it's something that's very much lost in the medical field and in what you do and like the alternative medicine field, it's not lost. I think it's something that really, really exists. And you have these long intakes. You're able to really talk to people about where they're at in their human process but man, hospitals, I don't know. It's like, I want to be on board. And I, and, like, and I know that there's great people that work in them. My sister was like a super preemie. She was born at 24 weeks. Um, and some of the most amazing people in our lives have come from that experience. Mm. But, oh man, I don't know. There's so many, there's, you know, I don't know. I'm, this is a story obviously anybody can tell. There's so many sure. horrifying things that happen in hospitals. Not only because they're a horrifying thing to begin with, but also just there's like, well, and I it's, you it's, can't have profit attached to health. That's right. what I think the, the main problem. And is. that's the problem. It's not the the people. Everyone for the most part that gets into medicine gets in there because they want to help people. And we've set up a system where it's 
we've monetized health in such a way where it's more advantageous to rush people through than it is to really do thorough you know, like sit down and do a health history intake that takes 30 minutes. Right. That's not going to happen. And it's not because providers don't want to, it's because our system is not designed for that. Sure. Oh, totally. Yeah. I'll give credit to that. Yeah. (laughs) And so that, I think that's why it was so, um, this was such an incredible experience because he clearly went above and beyond what he had to. Totally. And, um, you know, I don't know. It yeah. it was it it made a hugely lasting impact. That's the stuff that's fresh in my mind. Yeah. The like other people's blood on the ER bathroom <laughs> floor or what you know, the dude not <coughs> wanting to clean it up. I don't know, just all yeah. all the other noise, that's so um secondary. Yeah. Yeah. And totally. um yeah. No, I know. That and was so tangential, but <laughs> No, I, but it's imp- I don't know, it's important. And yeah. so yeah. Well, I mean, okay, so as far as the show goes, I, so someone I was talking to recently was uh, was saying how they knew somebody who, um, whenever they were pregnant, I think they have a couple kids or whatever, but each pregnancy, they would start telling people right away, right when they knew they would tell people mm. that they were pregnant, like however many weeks in. And because they were like, I want a team, a support system with me no matter what, even mm. if it's before 12 weeks, you know, and like, and I, I'm with that. I love that idea. And I don't know. And I get, I get the reason for waiting. I get all these things, you know, but it's, um, so anyways, in, in relation to that, the podcast, I feel like we, this is still a journey that we're on. We're still Mikey and Ren stay in. We're going to be trying to have another baby. And I feel like there's, I don't know. I must say like doing the show when you were pregnant and stuff like that, it felt like a very kind of charmed version of the show or something. Like it was like, Oh, hey, everybody. Like, hi, this is Welcome to Mikey and Rin Have Money. We're going to like spend this whole conversation <laughs> talking about our bank account. Hey. And like, I don't know. It felt weird and kind of braggy. And I feel like this, I don't know, of anything that's ever happened to me, this feels like the most humanizing thing that's ever happened to me. I'm mm-hmm. like, whoa. Ugh. Low lows, high highs, all the things. Yeah. And so I like the fact that maybe the show is going to be about the whole process. Like, it's like, had a pregnancy, had a miscarriage. Hopefully you're going to have another pregnancy again very soon. They can talk through the whole process. It's like a little, it makes it more complex. Sure. Um, it's still dumb and full of fart jokes and swearing, <laughs> mostly on my part, but. There it is. Off. So, um, but yeah, I want to keep doing it. Yeah. And I just want to like, I don't know. I hope people want to hear this. So one of the things that I like touched on earlier is like people don't talk about miscarriages. I've since this happened, I was like barfing out of my eyes at the supermarket when I saw friends and things. And I was just like, I I didn't know if I was going to tell people or not. But then I was like crying in the (laughs) potato chip aisle. I was like, well, I have to tell them or they're just going to have me committed. Mikey's one of the most explosive people I know. He's very rarely kind of holds it in type guy. Yeah. And so I've been telling people about it. And it's like women want to talk about it they want to like be constructive about it and some of my femme men like kind of more emotionally in touch men um but most men that i talk to about it they're like uh they want to get out of the situation out of the conversation (laughs) 
so quickly. They're like, and the, I, great men in my life that have been like, oh, God, we feel for you so hard, you know, like whatever. But like, it's just awkward. It's like it's talking about things that are really serious and about my wife's vagina on some level. And so, I don't know. It's just, and also as men, I think I've mentioned this in, in the last couple episodes, but like we're taught nothing about pregnancy. Right. I literally thought if I ejaculated within like a 15 yard <laughs> radius of a woman, <laughs> pregnant. Until I was 37, I think. <laughs> I mean, I just thought it was so easy. I also had people in my life that got pregnant really early and like definitely weren't trying, all those things. Now that we're trying to have a baby, the window is so small. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. I don't know how, know how it happens so often. And so, um, but that was a tangent of just saying that like, I don't, I feel like I'm learning so much that why don't I know about any of these things? Right. Yeah. I think it's like kind of hidden on some level from men <laughs> and from humans. They're Americans. Sure. I don't know. But we sure. just don't talk about it. So Yeah. Well, and there's something really uh, powerful and empowering about being able to, um, you know, actually have a fetus implant and then carrying a baby and then birthing a baby. And so I think that that's a part of you know, sort of just our lack of cultural conversation too. We don't, you know, things that really empower women <coughs> historically, we don't necessarily chat much about <laughs> yeah. or learn much about or have much, much of a reference point for. And so, right. um, no, it's so, tr- I mean, it's so true. Yeah. And when it's just another, there's such a shh moment in this. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, miscarriage. And like, even like when I would say it out loud to certain people, don't freak people out. Yeah. You're going to scare moms. You're going to scare all these things. And, right. Um, people would be like, Are, you're saying that in public? I mean, it was like saying like Beetlejuice three times, you know? And I, don't, I just think we need to have the conversation. We started, I started following, I don't think you did, but like the hashtag, um, I had a miscarriage on Instagram. Mm. It's intense, very intense. But it's like, if it's, let's just say at low bar, it's 20% of pregnancies. That's a fifth of people that are pregnant sure. going through this. We should talk about it more. It should be like a conversation that happens. And I just don't think it does. Yeah. So, yeah. I hope, so maybe this podcast, I, I don't know. Let's get a, a fucking million listeners and, and <laughs> talk about it more. Yeah. Do you want to do any of our signature sags? No. I um, I do want to hear from you how you're doing. I'm okay. Yeah. I go, I you know, it's, um, I just told a friend of mine yesterday, so it's been, like we said, a month or so, and I, I just, A, I'm kind of like, I don't know, I, don't, I just haven't been talking, well, I have been talking about it to everybody, but like, I just kind of, I'm like good about not having to tell the story or whatever. But so I told it to a friend who I thought knew, but I hadn't told, I guess. And uh, yesterday, and it just, oof. It was just, he, he's kind of like a best friendy, father figurey kind of combo to me. And um, yeah, and he was really sad. And he's not an emotional, like someone who really shows emotion mm-hmm. that often. And he was crying a, l- a little bit. And it just really got me. And, um, uh, but yeah, I'm doing okay. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm kind of a, f- a firm believer in like every not everything happens for a reason. I think that's kind of bullshit. But but more kind of like I like plumbing the realms of human experience. So mm-hmm. like I like to kind of like feel the feels. Wow, this is sadder than I've ever felt. Wow, mm. this is happier than I've ever felt. 
all the things. And um, I've been going through this season recently that's been a kind of a more downy season than I've had. And this punctuated it with a fucking bullet. Yeah. And, um, but I feel like it's also helping me to like kind of contrast things in my life and just see like my life is actually so happy. So good. Our marriage is so good. Yeah. My, our friends are great. Um, we live in a really beautiful place. I don't know. So I'm doing okay. I mean, it's definitely like, it's there. Yeah. It's like this, I feel like it's kind of this lump in my throat that I don't, you know, I don't think is ever going to go away. Um, but I think that's good. I think that's a reverent way to look at it. Mm. Yeah. So how are you doing? Um, I am... know how I am I'm sad I think for just lack of access to a better word right now yeah and I'm also a little bit um scared and tender and defeated I think maybe are the underlying things to sadness because um I'm just almost constantly thinking about my age and my is this going to happen again and what am I doing you know that I'm I'm sort of out of the like guilt spiral Mm. but I can't help but in the sort of dark corners of my mind pull out some bullshit about you know what I did and how it could have been different and yeah um, yeah and then yeah and just feeling like I'm a, I'm a person that can usually live really well in the present tense and I'm just like futurizing the fuck out of my life right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and yeah. Yeah. The, but the other piece too is that I'm feeling like, um, I have you, I have this, really incredible system of people around that um, I know a lot of people don't and so I'm just supremely grateful for for that um, yeah because having to sit in this alone would be <coughs> real gnarly oh yeah 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 oh I love that we did this me too I hope everybody out there appreciates it <laughs> I don't know <laughs> <laughs> we'll see I think that this is you know, it was a really good way to keep processing, yeah. right? Yep, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so we're gonna be we're gonna be keeping you guys up on the journey. I think we're gonna do, we're gonna uh, release these now because we were so the whole thing was we were waiting until twelve weeks to release mm. um, the information that she was pregnant as well as the podcast. And so I don't exactly know how to do it because. It, to me, it's like maybe we should release this one as the first or something because it's like, I, you know, for one thing, I'm like, I think of our friends that, you know, in kind of a more f- further out versions of our right. friends who are going to be like, oh, my God, you're pregnant. Congratulations. Like if we put it out, it was a weekly podcast right. without knowing that, like, this happened. So I don't know. We'll have to think about that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, we'll be back next week. And I think we're going to go back to a version of our our. Um, all of our uh, signature segments, yeah. maybe without the, we'll just have a, something that we're going to eat. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not going to be what size the baby is right now. 
We'll make sure to tell you guys every time we have sex, too. Because yeah. that's really um, important when you're trying to conceive is lots of sex. So and we'll, everybody's we'll trying be sure. to hear. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be bone sure. Bone zone. To... Welcome to the bone zone. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. That was a signature moment we just had there. It was like, yeah, yeah radio talk show host. Yeah, pretty cool. good. Okay. Uh, well, I'm Mikey. I'm Rin. And tonight? We're going to stay in. Stay in. Thanks, guys. <laughs>